This episode is about artificial aids and auxiliary aids, things like bits, spurs, sticks, draw reins, etc. Uh, we'll talk about what they are for and how to decide whether or not you want to use them. So here we go, episode 37, Artificial Aids. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. I often get questions about the use of all the artificial aids. So I use bits and bitless. I sometimes use spurs. I carry a stick. So um, definitely get questions about that and can talk to you about those. And there are some pieces of equipment that I don't typically use. Things like martingales or side reins or draw reins or the Pessoa or the Chambon. And um, I often get questions about that too. And usually it's something like, you know, my trainer would like me to lunge my horse using the Pessoa. What do you think about that? <laughs> so I thought I'd take this time in this podcast to dive in to this subject. Now, the first pieces of equipment that I'm going to talk about are the ones that I already use. So I start my horses bitless, but then I do use a bit 90. 8% of the time, maybe even 99% of the time, I don't use spurs, but sometimes I do. And I do carry a stick. And just by carrying a stick, sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. So let's talk about those first. I put those pieces of equipment that I just listed into two basic categories tools of reinforcement and tools of refinement. So let's look at what I mean by a tool of reinforcement. So a stick for me goes into that category. Now you can use a stick for all kinds of things, so, but one of the things that I'll use a stick for is a tool of reinforcement. And that might be everything from a short little hunter bat to a dressage, um, a dressage whip, or, you know, if I'm doing groundwork, it might be a longer stick. But so let's look at what the definition of reinforcement means. I like to look at the definitions of words outside of the horse world sometimes just to kind of step back and get a different perspective and, you know, let us take a look at any piece of equipment we're using, um, you know, with fresh eyes. So a, a reinforcement, the definition of reinforcement is, there's two definitions, <laughs> the process of encouraging or establishing a belief or pattern of behavior, especially by encouragement or reward. The second definition is extra personnel sent in to increase the strength of an army or a similar force. So I think in riding, 
using a stick as a tool of reinforcement is kind of a combination in a way of those two definitions. So we can say that a stick is a, a tool of encouragement. So I would use my stick to reinforce another aid that didn't work. For example, if I'm using my energy in my seat and then I use a little bit of leg to ask my horse to go and they don't go, instead of using more and more and more leg, I will tend to go to the stick to reinforce my original aid. So in a way, you know, it's reinforcement because reinforcement in training is when you want to increase a behavior, you know, I'd like my horse to go forward. They didn't go forward from, you know, the, the lightness of the leg that I used or the pressure that I used with my leg. I'm going to use the stick to encourage them to go and hopefully to do it in a way that they learn something. And then the next time I use my leg, they go more from, and hopefully my intention and my seat, you know, by the time I'm using my leg, it's kind of like, okay, you really should be going. Um, and the reason I don't want to use my leg just more and more and more is as a rider, the more muscle you're using in your leg, the more it's going to create tension in the horse's back and in your seat, which is actually going to make it more discouraging for your horse to go. So there's a certain threshold of amount of pressure that I want to use with my leg. And if I go over that pressure, I'd much rather use a tool of reinforcement that's not my legs or my seat, you know, the stick, um, rather than start squeezing more and more with my legs, which is actually going to give the horse a mixed message and chances are cause them to stop even more. So in a way it's, you know, a reinforcement tool, like in the first definition, and in a way it's, you know, bringing in extra personnel, right? So it's something other than you, right? You've used your intention, your seat, your energy, you start to use your leg and it's like, oh, I need reinforcements here. And you bring in something else, something that's not you to go, okay, Mr. Stick is now going to encourage. And, you know, there's a certain group of people who may send me emails and tell me that I shouldn't be using a stick at all because it's cruel, but I don't believe that. There's no, it's not inherently good or bad except in how we use it. And of course, I always take the time to make sure my horses are not afraid inherently of any of the equipment I use. So I use a stick to scratch their itches to pet them, to bring awareness to a part of their body through a touch, and I can use it as a reinforcement tool. And it all depends on my intention, the timing and the feel with which I use it. But my horses are used to me carrying it. So most of the time, it's a very neutral, non-aversive tool. They are not scared of a stick. And that's actually how I am able to use it as a tool of communication. It's not like I pick it up so they run away from the stick. <laughs> so it's a communication tool. And again, for me, it's a great tool to prevent extra tension in the 
rider's body. And there's an art to using the stick in that way. Because sometimes people, when they use a stick, will get tense in their arms and then their shoulders and then their backs and they'll get tense in their seat <laughs> coming from their arm down their body instead of coming from their leg up. So there's a real art to learning how to hold a stick with a very relaxed hand to be able to use it just to touch. Um, it's not a tool of punishment. And I think that's a really good distinction that even in the definition, you know, it's a tool of reinforcement. It's encouraging, right? It's not punishing. I'm, I also may use a stick to reinforce turning aids. So ideally I'm turning from my focus and my intention and my body language. And if my body turns and my horse doesn't come with me, uh, then I may use the stick as a little touch on the shoulder. Sometimes I'm riding with reins, sometimes I'm riding without reins, but turning for me is not one of the purposes of the reins. I have three purposes of the reins and that's not one of them. So reins can help with turning if they're there for sure, but I ride bridleless sometimes and I can turn my horses <laughs> when I'm riding bridleless. So I will use a stick as a, a reinforcer that if they're not bringing their shoulders to stay in line with my shoulders, I might use my fingers to go hello on the shoulder. Uh, but if they're not getting that message, instead of, you know, what's the alternative if you're bridleless, <laughs> you don't have much, but in, instead of, you know, just wishing that they would turn, I can use the stick either to um, move the air and the space next to their shoulder or to give it a little touch and uh, get the message across. So to clarify, and even if I am riding with the reins, because I've started my horses bitless and even bridleless when they're young, that if I'm, if I have the reins and I'm turning my focus and my intention and my body language and the horse isn't coming with me and you guys have all seen this cartoon, now both hands are across midline, right? The international symbol for I wish my horse had turned. If I go that far and now I'm using my reins to try to get the horse to turn, chances are it's going to start contorting the horse's neck. So if you've gotten to the point where it ain't working and you need it to work, I, I don't recommend getting stronger in your rein aids to help the turning. I'd rather give a little touch on the shoulder and be like, hey, move away from that and go that way more. I find it much more clarifying. And if you get stronger in your rein aids, it's typically going to start creating a secondary set of problems, which is the horse's tense in their neck or contorted in their neck. And now that makes it harder for the horse to turn. So another reason why I think a stick is a really helpful tool of reinforcement to say, Hey, there was an aid that you should have listened to. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you should have listened to this other one. And part of the finesse of using a tool of reinforcement is that we, we always go back and give the horse a chance to not need that reinforcement. So for example, I'm training, I ask my horse to go. They don't go with the same energy I would like. So I give them a touch 
on, you know, on the rear end. They go, thank you, I'm not done yet. That's only part one. Part two is to stop, return to the original situation, and ask again. Because you don't know if th that thing that you just did, whatever you did with your tool of reinforcement, you don't know if it worked. Because it hasn't worked until number one, you got the result that you were hoping for. And number two, you don't need to use it the next time. And I think that's the step that so many people forget about when they're using a tool of reinforcement. And what happens is you end up accidentally teaching your horse to move from the stick. <laughs> so then you always need the stick. And then guess what? You're probably going to need to use it stronger and stronger and stronger as time goes by. And then you're going to need a bigger stick. And that's a road you don't want to go down. And I think when people see, see riders using sticks like that, then they jump into, oh, using sticks is bad, they're harsh, they're cruel. No, <laughs> they're only harsh and cruel if you use them in an unfair way. So the process for reinforcement is always to start with the dream aid, encourage, <laughs> you know, reinforce, bring in reinforcements, get the thing to happen. If you think it's fair, reasonable, and possible to be asking for it in the first place, then let's do it. Get it done without contortion from your body and the horse's body. Just, boop. hey, that's the body part I was talking about. Get going. And then thank you so much. What did you learn from this? Let's see. Return to the original situation and try again. And then when they do it without needing the stick, you give them big rewards. So many people, again, um, you know, if they had to use a reinforcement to get the horse going, then the horse gets going. They're like, haha, now I've got you while you're going. Now let's do all the hard stuff. And then the horse, if they're inclined to not put in so much effort, you're just training them that when they do, it gets, it does get harder. So they might even start conserving themselves even more. And that's another situation where you end up ultimately having to use that stick again and again and again. So dream aid, reinforcements if necessary, retest. And if you had to retest, make sure that after they do it from the light aid, you reward them greatly so that they remember it tomorrow and you don't have to, re you don't have to repeat that same reinforcement day after day after day. And yes, it means that for a moment you will delay doing the original exercise you thought you were doing, but it's worth it because that kind of consistency over time is what can completely change a horse's mind. And I've done this multiple times with multiple horses who would, would be described as lazy, bulky, you know, those kind of horses that feels like every day you've got to, you know, <laughs> go get fuel, put the fuel in and do the whole thing all over again. Over time, they can completely change. And they, they through training, realize that the most efficient thing for them to do is go the first time you ask. <laughs> but it comes from that very conscious process. Okay, so those that's a tool of reinforcement that I use. So that's the one I explained. Anything you use um, as a tool of reinforcement. I don't know what else it might be, um, but it would need to follow that kind of process. The goal is not to use it, but to use it 
if the original aid didn't work. So the other category is uh, tools of refinement. Those would be bits and spurs. So let's look at what the definition of refinement is. And according to the dictionary, refinement is the improvement or clarification of something by the making of small changes. And that word small is the critical piece. So for me, a tool of refinement means things are already going well. And now I want to, I want to have, it's hard to use, it's hard to, to define it without using the same word. <laughs> Things are already going well, and I want them to go even better. And by better, I mean lighter, more precise, and smaller. So um, if a big fat piece of um, street chalk is a tool of writing, right? You can write with one of those big, big, you know, one inch thick pieces of chalk that you can write on the street to do like hopscotch or something. That's a writing tool, but a mechanical pencil fine point is a much more refined writing tool. You can be much more precise, much more fine. So that's, that's how I see something like a bit or a spur. So we were talking about legs earlier. So to continue the conversation about legs, let's say that I've used my tool of reinforcement so well that now my horse does listen to my leg. When I feel like my horse listens to my leg really well, that's when I may consider using a spur. So I'm going to say that again. <laughs> when my horse is already listening to my leg really well, that's when I'll consider using a spur. And for some of you, you're like, yeah, makes sense to me. And for others of you listening, you're going to be like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> because some of you may be putting spurs on because your horse does not listen to your leg so well. So what I just said was just the opposite of that. But a spur by nature is a smaller um, surface area. So it's going to be, um, you know, potentially more painful, but you don't have to use it in a painful way. However, if you're using your spur as a tool of reinforcement, you've got to be really careful because spurs are generally kind of pointy <laughs> and sharp and they're being used on a, on a pretty sensitive area of the horse's body. You know, their, the flesh over their, their bellies is not so thick. And if you don't believe me, you can, I'm sure, uh, find lots of horses with permanent scars from spur damage, permanent calluses from spur damage. It's very common. I've seen lots of horses like this. And it's really easy to accidentally put a rub just from a boot on a horse. So although I agree 
that it could be possible with a lot of control from your leg to use a spur as a tool of reinforcement. It's possible. I don't think I want to. So I'd rather have going to a spur would be like going from writing with a piece of street chalk to writing with a mechanical pencil. I'm going to feel, I want to feel that I'm using the spur so I can be even lighter with my leg and use even fewer muscles in my leg. And because of that, I can just drape my leg. And because of that, my seat will be deeper. And because of that, the horse's body and, and back will be more relaxed. And because of that, he'll be freer in his motion. Like that's what I'm thinking of if I decide to wear a spur. So in my video classroom, you'll see 90, you know, way over 90% of the time, I am not wearing a spur, but every now and then with my more advanced horses on some of those sessions in the collected moments, I may be wearing a spur because it's a refined session. My favorite kind of spurs are actually ones that have uh, some moving parts. <laughs> so there's, I'm sure you've seen rowel spurs and I don't like the pointy rowel spurs at all. I, I don't think there's a need for something actually that pointy and sharp, but there are some spurs that have a rowel that's smooth and it rolls. And for me, one of the purposes of riding with a spur that has that moving part is not because it's somehow harsher, but because I'll hear it. <laughs> I'll hear it clank a little bit when it touches the horse. Uh, and that helps me bring awareness of when my spur might be touching the horse and when it might not be. Um, that's the same reason I'll tend to wear a spur that has a little bit of a neck on it rather than a small dull, you know, fat spur, uh, because I, f I found that, you know, if they're small and kind of dull and fat, they're hard for the riders to actually feel when they're being used. And then they can tend to stay on more and then they end up desensitizing the horse and it's no longer a tool of refinement. And that's where you can build up those horrible calluses or spur marks on a horse. So I'd rather use one that has a little clank so I can hear if I'm accidentally touching the horse with it. And right now, the only set of spurs that I have in my barn are these really cool ones that have actually a little ball. It's a little round ball on the end and it rolls over the horse. So it's not, it's just one notch less pokey, <laughs> um, but it has a little bit of a, you know, shaft to it. Uh, and depending on where your leg hits, you can have different shaped things. But the idea is I want to know as a rider when that spur touches the horse. But a, in a good situation, riding with a spur can allow, like I said, allow your leg to be more relaxed, more draped. It can allow a little more um, precise touch. You know, sometimes when doing lateral work or tempi changes, Horses are very particular about exactly where the right spot on the ribs, you know, are to touch them to give a certain cue. 
but that's the that's the spirit of it. When you put on those spurs, it's it should be like wow, like this is going to be a great day because my horse is going so well that I'm even considering this, and I'm going to be so light and so refined in my communication. Remember, refinement is about improvement or clarification of something by the making of small changes. And so that's the same spirit uh, with which I use a bit. So my horses all start bitless. And how do I know when it's time to use a bit? When I feel like I don't need to use a bit. <laughs> so when I feel I can ride my horse around, they're comfortable transportation, I can even have working gates. And I feel like my reins are never going past an amount of pressure that feels like it wouldn't be okay to be in the horse's mouth with, right? So when you're riding um, your horse with reins attached to a bitless bridle, you know, I'm always monitoring. My goal is to have the horse so light and so confident about the contact in the reins, so comfortable, so trusting of my hands, so clear in his understanding that I'm only using the reins for the three things the reins are for, and it's all light. So the three things to remind you are subtle communication about um, the position of the head at the end of the neck and subtle communication about exactly how long the neck is. So that's one category. Number two is it's to receive information about the horse, right? So my reins are there. I'm going to feel imbalances and feel things differently. You can feel your horse's hocks in your hands. I mean, there's some really cool things to feel in the reins. And the third purpose of the reins is just another point of connection in this all is one, you know, connection between you and your horse, like you're dancing the waltz. So the first part of my training when bitless is to set my horse up so that that's the only thing I'm using my reins for. And my horse is totally good with my hands. There's no bracing, fighting, pulling, leaning, carrying, you know, holding each other up. There's no pressure in the reins that feels off balance, oppositional, defensive, things like that. And so by the time that happens, my horses are going very well. <laughs> They're in their working gates, maybe even starting collection. Why not? And that's a great time to go, well, I've proven that chances are there's not going to be too many horrible things happening in their beautiful, sensitive, delicate mouths. So now I've earned the honor of using a more refined tool, a tool that will help make improvements and clarifications of things by making small changes. So yeah, a bitless bridle is a little bit of a clunky tool. For some horses, they're just fine in it. And you can have sophisticated conversations in the bitless all the way up through the levels. And some horses need a little more refinement. It's just a little bit loose and floppy in a bitless bridle. Some horses need a little more help with suggesting those subtle positionings. And you want to be able to talk about millimeters. With a bit also, you can do things like loosen the horse's jaw that you can't do in a bitless bridle. There's a whole other podcast about that. But the point is that whatever you're feeling that's going well, 
in the bitless. When you put the bit on, if you found a bit that they're comfortable with and they accept it and they agree that it's okay to have a bit in the mouth, then all those communications that you were already doing bitless should feel even yummier, more delicate, more refined, more subtle. It should just make everything feel better. So any tool of refinement should take something that's already working well and make it even better. So that's the difference between tools of reinforcement and tools of refinement. So now the other subject is all these other things that you can put on your horse. So there's a couple categories of those. There's pieces of equipment that you can put on your horse that have some feel to them, some adjustability in the moment. And then there's pieces of equipment that you can put on your horse that have no feel and no adjustability in the moment. And all of these ones that I'm about to talk about, uh, I either have never used, don't use anymore, and they're in my museum of equipment I don't use anymore, you know, or, you know, I just, you won't see me using them. We'll put it that way. But let's talk about them. So the ones that have some feel to them and some adjustability would be things like draw reins, running martin, yeah, I guess like draw reins and running martingales. Those are those are two popular <laughs> popular ones. And so draw reins is one piece of leather or whatever material it's made out of that will go from either. Um, on the belly between the horse's legs to the girth between the horse's legs or to the side of the girth, you know, just below the saddle. And then it runs through the bit and up to the rider's hand. So the rider is holding the draw rein and hopefully the regular reins. Every now and then I've seen somebody riding in just draw reins alone and oh my God, don't do that. <laughs> Draw reins should be used, if you're going to use them, with the regular reins as the primary, and then the draw reins are added on top of that. Now, the reason they have some adjustability is because you, as a rider, can actually lengthen the draw reins and shorten them in the moment, just like a regular rein. So it is possible to put draw reins on your horse and adjust them loose enough that you actually never use them. And, and so that's why I'm not going to automatically judge someone if they're riding with draw reins because they might not use them except for one, one or two strides here and there and they get the job done and then they're back to loose again. So they do have a possibility of some feel. The job of the draw rein is to use leverage to prevent the horse from putting their head up or their nose out too far. It's a physical control device. So any of these pieces of equipment are going to put physical limits on the horse. That's just what they do. Some people will say they encourage the horse to stretch. Well, maybe, but that's not what they're doing. They are physically, they're straps that physically limit the horse. Some horses under some of those circumstances will want to stretch because <laughs> they're tired of the physical limitation. But in general, they are straps that shorten things. 
So a drawing um, could be a tool that used tactfully and fairly with great feel might be necessary. I would say the only the only time I could see it being necessary is to retrain some really poorly trained horse that's got a ton of baggage and they think they learn things one way and you know they they've gone into physical opposition mode and maybe it's the nicest way to retrain something that's going to be a breakthrough that then will let you go on with your life in a more normal <laughs> conversational way uh, but as a practice I always feel like there's a root cause and there's uh, there's a chance to educate the horse through a more mental, you know, education explaining it kind of way rather than just a physical limitation. But like I said, drawings could be used very artfully. Now a running martingale is another device that is to prevent the horse's head from going up too far. And this is a strap that goes from the horse, between the horse's front legs up in front of them and it splits and then there's a ring and each of the reins passes through that ring. And depending on how you adjust it, um, if the rider keeps the reins the same length and the horse tries to put their head up, the martingale will use leverage to prevent the horse from putting his head up too high. So you see this in jumping, you know, often or eventing. Um, now it also has some feel because if the rider loosens the reins completely, then the martingale does not come into play. So these two pieces of equipment can be used artfully and there is a chance that the horse can have freedom in a heartbeat if they need it. So again, not something that I use. I also don't go galloping over, you know, five and a half feet jumps on cross country. So I'm not going to speak to that. Uh, but in general, on principle, I always feel like if there's a problem, let's figure out the root problem uh, and not just try to address it at the physical control end of things. All right. So the other kinds of aids, auxiliary aids that I think don't have any feel are things like, um, the Chambon, the Pessoa, side reins, standing martingales. Now I'm not even that, I can't speak that educatedly about things like the Pessoa and the Chambon because I've never put one on my horse and I don't think I ever will. Um, I know that there's a lot of adjusting that you can do that can, you know, change the length of things. I presume you could put things on so loose that they actually aren't restricting, but in that case, then <laughs> why are you putting it on? So again, they're all different forms of straps, ropes, pieces of leather, whatever it is that go through the, through the bit and attach somewhere to the girth or in the Pessoa, it goes around the rear end and there's little pulleys and there's adjustments of lengths of things. So again, I'm sure that there are people who can adjust them artfully and carefully and mindfully in a way that it does not do any active harm. But with things like this, it's so much easier to mess it up than it is to get it right. If you have it on so loose that it's not going to restrict anything, then it's not doing any good. And once you start tightening it, you really run the risk. And if things go south, if, if something happens and the horse panics, 
there's nothing you can do to loosen it unless you're able to get up to the horse. And I have seen way too many horses panic in the side rein and panic in these pieces of equipment. And they either flip over or run themselves backwards and fall down or, you know, panic, fall on their, you know, if they trip, they can't regain their balance or they just go into learned helplessness and they're just forced. And yes, side reins often have a little piece of elastic in there somewhere, but remember elastic when it stretches, if it's being stretched, it means it's trying to get back short again. That's what elastic does. <laughs> every For every, every bit you stretch a piece of elastic, it is now actively pulling, trying to get shorter. So having elastic in a rein, I just can't wrap my head around how that is helpful to a horse. It will only teach a horse to pull because in order to stretch elastic, they have to pull on it. It doesn't give them any lightness or more room because as soon as it's pulling, it's pulling back. <laughs> it's adding more force than if it was just a strap without a piece of elastic. So it can, for a side rein, it can be a little bit forgiving. I guess with the movement of the horse's neck, it's not going to make a hard stop. But again, if it's that tight that it's, it's as the horse trots, it's going floppy there, floppy there. If, if the elastic is getting engaged, then the horse is feeling a rebound from that. So I can't really decide which is worse side reins with or without elastic because they both kind of feel pretty bad. So again, I'm sure there's people who are very artful in, in using them, but I just don't personally like them or use them. They are pure physical control and the body is dynamic and moments are dynamic and conversations are dynamic and you just can't put the release in there. Same thing with a standing martingale, which is strap that goes from between the horse's legs to the noseband. And it just simply gives a hard stop for how, how high that horse can put his head. I think they can be downright dangerous. So those are my thoughts on artificial aids and auxiliary equipment. So let me know what you think. I hope it's helpful. And uh, as always, leave me a comment in Dressage Naturally Land. Let me know. Let me know how it helped. All right. Bye. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process.